So when we consider the Eightfold Path and the uh, ways in which people are able to not just understand this intellectually, but retune into and follow it. Uh, so we're coming from the uh, ideas about the Dhamma to the actual living experience of it, entering into the Dhamma. Yeah. It's a change from the ideas and the even intellectual understanding of the teachings to the actual feeling them, experiencing them, bringing them into your own living experience. And naturally this is the most important thing, even if we just get a little bit and take it in and digest it, uh, the beauty of the Eightfold Path is almost any piece that you take in carries all of it. <laughs> and why is this? <laughs> because it's all working on the, essentially it's all working on the same point of your, of your experience, which is your chitta. And sachitta uh, pariyotapanam, the complete clearing and purifying of the chitta. Uh, this is the uh, teaching of the Buddhas. Uh, purification of the chitta. Uh, the deathless, deathlessness is the liberation of the chitta from all grasping. You see these phrases, if you really look into the Pali, and the people who had deep realization that chitta was liberated from the asava through non-clinging. So this chitta is pretty important. <laughs> and what is this chitta? <laughs> well, sometimes they translate it as mind. There are two words for mind. One is mano, which is to do with measuring, organizing, abstractions, ideas, and chitta, which is more feeling, associated with the feeling we, we understand something. Oh, that touched my chitta. When I heard what you said, it moved my chitta. <laughs> my chitta was obscured with passion and anger. Now that's dropped. My chitta feels free. So in this sense, it's more like heart. Once again, if we look at how the path, the direct experience of the path begins, there are certain fundamental qualities that tell you exactly where it's beginning. And the first of these is we call it sadha, which is sense of faith. And... Uh, So when the first disciples, previously the companions had rejected the Buddha before his enlightenment and he came back to where they were sitting and they said, oh, we don't want to bother with him. And he came in and they just, ooh. And they looked at him and he said, have you ever seen me like this? He was radiant. And they just immediately all stood up and bowed. Their chittas were completely moved and shaken. And the first thing they want to do is pay respect. Right? That's chitta. <laughs> and that's faith. Yeah. Well, the English word is faith, sadha. Yeah.
So this, uh, of course, jitta is something that's happening for people all the time, but normally it's obscured by either we're not even really aware of what's happening in our hearts because we're thinking so much, or our hearts are contracted with anxiety, or contracted with fear, or contracted with urgency, or sadness, or passion. They're, they're inflamed with passion of some kind or another. So then there's this kind of hot, murky, tangled experience, and mostly we just get out of that and go into thinking about something instead, trying to get away from our chitta, which feels uncomfortable. So distraction sets in. I can't sit quietly with myself because my chitta feels so uncomfortable. Of course, people don't say that. They say, I feel uncomfortable. Because jitta is where we get the basic sense of me. This happens to me. The me that things happen to is jitta. And the me that responds by acting, that's jitta too. So it's responsive, it's affected, and it responds. And as I was saying yesterday, how does jitta respond? It responds, jitta responds with chetana. Chetana is the movement of the jitta where it turns, where it swings. I want this, I want that, I want to get out of this, I'd like to be with that. So it turns. That's the chetana. And that's happening. Generally it follows pleasure or pain. Pain shoves it, pleasure pulls it. Yeah. So it's like that. Or seeking it. So in this sense we get these experiences we call emotions. Often they're looking for where is their comfort or certainty or security. Where is it? And looking around. That Maybe if I do this, if I do that, will it be good? If I go there, will that work? Perhaps if I avoid that? So it's, it's like that. It's fluttering. Yeah, fluttering. Like a bird with nowhere to land. Flying around. Where, where's the safe place? Where's the comfortable place? Where's the secure place? Hmm. Right. And Sada there is a secure place. <laughs> yeah. That moment when the Buddha enters your heart, oh, this is true, this is safe, this is real, this is the secure. Yeah. And clearly when this experience happens for a person, either in the presence of a Buddha or the presence of a deeply realized being, the chitta stops. And, oh, it begins to expand and shine. We feel uplifted. The sadha lifts us. We feel this was the secure place that it's been looking for. Yeah. Now, when we uh, are cultivating our, our chanting, uh, which is not just making sound, it's the whole uh, evocation and invitation of the triple gem. Right. So we're rec recollecting it, we're offering ourselves to that. Say, I'm ready, I'm available, 
please come here. And how do we do that? We make an offering. So we offer flowers, incense, candles. We also offer our hearts. Yeah. We open. And then we recollect the qualities of Buddha, qualities of Dhamma, the qualities of Sangha. And the Buddha, the guide. And you can see the various terms that are used. The one who knows the world, the pure one, the awakened one, the one free from defilement. And you can recollect the Buddha in many ways, but essentially it's this quality is something you feel, this is something I can really trust. This uh, Buddha the Buddha, someone who never asked for anything in return, gave everything he could for his entire lifespan, teaching anybody who invited him, <laughs> anybody who asked, he would teach them, give them what he could, never asked for anything in return. Spent his whole life doing that, teaching people the way to purity, to peace, to tranquility, to relieving of sorrow and stress, uh, to harmony in many different ways, and to the liberation, and to the deathless. You can't get better than that. <laughs> and so, doesn't want anything apart from, the only thing he would like is if you could follow. Please make an effort to follow. So, someone like that, you know, I mean, when we bring this to mind, don't you want to bow? <laughs> what else can you do? You know, if, if that you can't, if you can't, don't get it. You can't practice because you're just following one's own, following one's own thoughts and ideas. No, here we say, this is someone who's, who knows more than I do, has realized far more than I have, has taught thousands of people, uh, who's thoroughly explored the human condition, which, you know, <laughs> which I haven't done and is prepared to, to offer teachings. Yeah. You may think, oh, the Buddha's dead thousands of years ago. The Buddha says, no, no, this body passed away, but the Dhamma Vinaya that I taught, it's still there. You listen to that. That's my body. That's the real body. This is just the flesh body. When you can't see this anymore, the Dhamma Vinaya is the real body. And the Dhamma is the teaching, direct experience was, um, Svinya is the Sangha, which those who operate properly and act together and relate to the world in clean, effective ways and through their own efforts train themselves towards this realization. And this, this then we sense this requires and <laughs> encourages our deepest sense of faith and respect because when particularly when we can Dhamma says it's immediate directly realizable by yourself in yourself Pachatang it's authentic yeah. it leads further it's developed through wisdom so this is, this is for you yeah. And Sangha 
means there are others, human beings, who've struggled with their sadness and their defilements and their worries and their passions. They've struggled and worked with it to, towards realization. So you think, well, here we are. <laughs> you know, that didn't pass away 2,500 years ago. <laughs> it's still here. So do you want to be part of that? And uh, when we come into the realm of citta, you can. When we come into ordinary consciousness, ordinary consciousness, external consciousness, that's, yeah, that's thousands of years ago. Right? That's what the think, that's what the external mind says. That was 2000, whatever it was, years ago. India, somewhere else. You know, here we are, Singapore. <laughs> yeah. But Chitta is internal. It says, I'm not in Singapore, I'm in happiness. <laughs> I'm not in I'm not in what Palalai, I'm in confusion. <laughs> That's where I live. <laughs> and sometimes I'm in stress and sometimes in excitement and sometimes in happiness and sometimes I'm in comfort. That's where I live. You know, the rest of it's just background. Yeah. So where we live is really in this territory of citta. Yeah. And citta is involved. But it it it, begin, it it moves around in accordance with where the emotional body, the yeah, emotions are most strongly present, most strongly felt. So this is why, of course, our citta can be still living in painful memory. We feel we're out here looking around as people and you close your eyes and oi, chitta goes into painful memory because that hurt. So the strong feeling, strong emotion, strong worry, strong grief. Huh? That's where it lives. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, chitta doesn't, doesn't live in terms of time or place, it lives in terms of karma. It operates in the world of karma. That is, things that have moved and affected us, things we've been shaken by, things we've been gladdened by, directions we followed, that's where it lives. Yeah. And, you know, and what we're trying to remember is it's quite possible to extend that the citta out of the, what we see normal sense contact into the deep domain, the deep territory of citta, which is to do with faith, love, virtue, integrity, loving kindness. This deep, deep territory that all human beings have, whether in Singapore or Istanbul. That doesn't matter. Everybody has it. It's very deep territory. And this is the richness and the treasure of a human being. We have this storehouse of deep, potent jitta qualities. And the sad tragedy of our lives is it can be that we don't reuse it because we're scurrying around in terms of sense consciousness. When we come to do a retreat, we can dwell in this territory. Some of it can be uncomfortable, that which has to be cleaned 
released, understood, held with kindness and patience. Fear, grief, resentment, jealousy, things that are uncomfortable to the chitta have to be held carefully, steadily, with patience, care, cleaning. Yeah? And <laughs> you know, prime, where, where do we get that strength from to do this work? Well, faith. Now, faith is not a belief. Faith means my chitta is steadied and stabilized and gladdened. Gladdened. See, so normally the emotional body, if you like, this territory of emotions is normally shifting, fluttering like a bird, swooping up, swooping down, moving around. So we normally associate our emotions with this movement. Of, oh, I saw something that was pleasant. I touched something that was rather nice. I heard something that was unpleasant. The emotions swing around, pleasant, unpleasant. You know, and then we get various reactions to that. Okay, put that aside. Return to the Blessed One. The one who has compassion for me. The one who offers me strength and teaching. We return to that. And take and re- receive it. We have to develop in the receptive energy. Normally, the emotions are doing all kinds of things. Yeah. But with the practice of sadha, we learn and encourage us to develop receptivity, to receive, to be lifted by, to enter into. So it's receptive. So we can't kind of do this with our normal thinking mind. We have to open our hearts to it. Now what helps in this, particularly this is where chanting and devotional practices help, because you then begin to use (laughs) the senses sound, body, breathing, use these very common qualities that we all have in a particular way. So clearly chanting, we have to breathe properly. So with chanting, you have to, if you want to chant properly, you have to sit up straight so your chest is open, your shoulders are relaxed, your throat is open. And chanting is always, of course, always chanting is always breathing out, isn't it? Now, the energy of breathing out has this softening, relaxing effect on the subtle tissues of the body. Yeah? So these uh, fascia tissues and muscles, they tend to soften and relax when we breathe out. Softening, relaxing. And normally that's associated with a kind of like almost a, a descent, as if we were kind of striving and stressed and we release the stress and we breathe out and there's a sense of softening and descending. 
quite restful. The breath descends, it seems to descend when we breathe out. Now with chanting, because you activate the vocal cords, (laughs) which again, they're skin, right? You're activating the skin and the muscles. But now what you're doing is that energy which would normally kind of soften and descend, softens, but now you lift it. (laughs) You lift it through your voice. Do you understand? You lift it through your vocal cords. Uh, Right? Obviously, you know, we all do this. We don't necessarily realize what we're doing. But when you chant, you activate your vocal cords and you're using your whole body to bring the breath energy up through your body as you breathe out and it's arising. Because now you're lifting your, through your voice and you're lifting in a gesture of offering. Yeah? So because now we're offering to something we respect, if we respect something, we generally place it high because we lower our sense of self or we soften our sense of self and we raise that which we respect. Right? So when we chanting, then the whole gesture of that is the movement called praising, lifting. So this soft energy is then lifted. Now whether it's (laughs) uh, whichever direction is going into, softening down or or rising up, it spreads. Mm -hmm. Just like when we breathe out, the breath literally spreads through the air, doesn't it? Similarly, the sound spreads through the air. We can hear it, we all hear it. So the sense of something rises and then spreads out. It spreads out. So there's an opening. The energy moves up through the body and then as we follow it, our chitta, which is following that quality, following that energy as it rises, towards the Buddha, and then it opens in this gesture like dana. Dana, generosity, is another cardinal principle of Dhamma because dana is always that offering, opening, rather than the grabbing and pulling in, it's an opening out. So this is our voice dana. We're offering our voice, we're offering our heart, and it widens. So when the chitta is widened and offered, for that moment, it releases itself from the contraction of fear or anxiety or the agitation of worry or the sadness or soreness of grief or, or resentment. It frees itself from that for that moment. So then, ah, this is what it's like when I feel bright. When my chitta feels bright, it's like this. And then as you're breathing it, breathing it, your breathing can also remembers that sense of opening. Heart feels satisfied. Breathing out, breathing in. Taking it in. 
and when we are chanting because we're chanting together so even more powerful than chanting on your own is when you're chanting together because when you're chanting together this really reminds us you're not alone the sense of the isolated individual suddenly we're in something bigger than our individuality and it's something we can trust and feel supported by so when you're chanting you make the breath sound follow the breath when the breath stops you get to the end of your breath you can hear somebody else's voice is continuing yeah so the chanting overlaps right. so then we're in a continuum of devotion an openness a brightness chanting together then the chanting continues and when you're chanting you're also because it's something you're doing it regularly this could be in India it could be in Sri Lanka could be in Thailand could be Germany it could be 50 years ago it could be a thousand years ago doesn't matter you're in the same the chitta's in the same territory irrespective of time or place the territory of faith devotion openness and harmony because what happens as you chant your voice you don't strain it and you're listening at the same time you're listening the ear picks up the sound and the ear picks up the sound and it it organizes the voice to make the same sound so you don't have to think can I chant am I now good at it is my voice any good no what you need to do is just relax so your voice is not strained breathe normally breathe fully breathe from the heart comfortably place your faith and listen and your voice after a few seconds your ears will tell your voice how to chant your hearing will, will adjust your voice so what happens when we listen is we experience all the voices meet and merge into one voice this is harmony right literally musical harmony but one thing the chitta really loves is harmony we love to be in harmony we love there to be no conflict no discord no she's better than i am no i'm better than he is no worries we want we love to live in harmony 
And now we're having it, we're experiencing it. What does it feel like? Now if you cultivate sati, mindfulness, around this experience, mindfulness of citta, third establishment of mindfulness. The citta is affected by faith, supported by faith. Uh, the citta is bringing forth its faith. It's feeling confident because it's meeting the faith of other people. So it feels strengthened. You're mindful of that. Which means you notice what's present. You notice how it feels. You notice the effects. And you notice what's absent. Remember to notice what's present and what's absent. What's absent is stress. What's absent is urgency. What's absent is comparisons, who's better, who's worse, am I good enough? Yeah. What's absent? Passion, anxiety, worry are absent. What's it like for the chitta when those qualities are absent? <laughs> Another feature of chanting, which actually is very much uh, in accordance with mindfulness of breathing. Is uh, this the chitta affects the internal body? Okay, so as I mentioned before, the external body, the tactile impressions that touch the body, the physical framework of the body, external, internal, the sensitivity. sensitivity of the body internally. The body's ability to find a balance when it stands. It's sensitive, it's also intelligent. It knows how to walk without falling over. That's pretty smart. <laughs> so it's, it's sensitive it's intelligent and it's also affected by our emotions, our citta, and it affects our citta. So if the citta is experiencing steadiness and comfort and we take that message and take it into the internal body, the body feels comfortable and steady. So, external body, which is normally the boundary of the skin. Within the body, we have skin within the body. The vocal cords are skin. The skin within the body. 
They vibrate. Yeah? They carry strain if we're strained. They could be warm, resonant. Their skin. <laughs> and all the body is internally is covered in skin, fine fascia tissue that wraps around all the muscles and the organs. Yeah. So just as the external body is affected by tactile impressions, the internal body is affected by chitta impressions. Yeah. The chitta is the internal aspect of the mind. External aspect of the mind describing this is this, this is that, this is black, this is white, this is this, this is five o'clock, ten o'clock, external. Internal aspect of mind, I feel angry, I feel happy, I feel comfortable, I feel nervous, I feel pressure. That's chitta, internal aspect of mind. Internal aspect of mind matches itself to internal aspect of body. This is not, this is obvious really, once you begin to understand these things. So when we're chanting, we're actually activating the internal body, the membranes, the diaphragm, to cause the body, the vocal cords, to cause the internal body to open and vibrate. Vocal cords have vibrato, vibration on them. And you can feel the chanting in the bones in your head. The bones in the head begin to slightly resonate. Just like the body of a guitar. You know, you play the strings. The strings make the sound, but it's the wood, wooden body that gives the resonance. The bones in the head and in the chest resonate with the sound. So now we're actually bringing the chitta effect right into the body, the internal body. Yeah? taking it in. And then when the sound disappears, you stay with the chitta. And that, and you keep, and the breath doesn't disappear. The breath, the breathing, connects the sound breathing is chanting, and then soundless breathing is breathing. Right? So the breathing remains there, now it's carrying that message that we put into the chanting. What do we put into the chanting? We put the message of faith, trust, wisdom, purity. We brought that message in and we made a sound with it and the breath picked it up and the breath turns it into the body. And the body is intelligent. Yeah. So when we feel someone we trust and we have faith in, we look at them, I trust them, I know them, I have faith in them, something in me, I relax, I feel comfortable. Someone who I feel suspicious of, I'm listening, but I'm not really settled yet. Something is me just holding back. I don't quite trust this person yet, I don't know. Yeah? And you, you can feel, you, 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 you internally, your body kind of holds back. <laughs> and then it releases. And so, <laughs> that's so precious to have that sense of the internal body feeling that sense of openness. Because the, other, because the chitta doesn't move in terms of time, but in terms of emotional effect, 
The unfortunate consequence of this is that we have distressing emotional effects, betrayal, somebody betrays us, somebody we feel, we feel, do we don't trust people, they're not, they're hostile or they're negative, so the body has this kind of resistance and it stays there because there's nothing to switch it off. It stays there. That's the nature of fear. Because you don't know if something's worthy of trust until you, till you open up. But you don't open up until you find something worthy of trust. You think, I don't know now, so I'd better just keep closed <laughs> because it's not quite safe. Now, when we look in the world around us, you look around, how much of this can you trust? Okay, you know, these people, maybe. You know, I don't know, criminals, you know, thieves, people scandling, swindling, bullying, manipulating, you know? Maybe they're not, but you don't know, do you? Because you read a lot about it and you see a lot about it. And also, most of them have some experience of being hurt by other people, or being bullied, or pushed around, or not treated with love and kindness. So we're not quite certain of anybody, because it, I'm not, maybe she'll do it too. Maybe he will. <laughs> yeah. Because she looks just like the person who did that, you know. Or that voice tone reminds me. So we carry these what, like traumatic messages. Yeah, where, because we have experienced uh, that absence of loving kindness or direct hostility. So the system has never really felt stable, confident, loved, respected, so it stays stuck, it stays closed, just in case. Yeah. And the jitta stays closed, just in case, because it doesn't want to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> now this actually, unfortunately, this process is this is really where the dukkha sets in. Because when we're in that state of feeling closed, the chitta begins to imagine. Imagine. I don't know about her. I don't know about this. I don't know if they're in a group of people. I don't feel very comfortable in a group of people because I don't feel very comfortable, you know? So this is called projection. Projection. That is the worry that we experience. We project outwardly. Like, she doesn't like me. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. I know she doesn't like me. Yeah. I know he's, he doesn't like me. Because, yeah. Because we project. 
that fear, that anxiety projects outwardly. And then you go somewhere else and you think, he doesn't like me and she doesn't like me. You get the same message because it's not them who don't like you, it's you who doesn't like you. <laughs> it's stuck. It's stuck. You, you caught that quality of hostility or lack of love, lack of compassion. You, you've caught it, you've trapped it, and it's stuck. It's wrapped around you. In turn, it's wrapped around you internally. So everything you, looks like it, everywhere looks like it. Because you're looking through eyes that are stained by the defilement of ill will. They're stained by it. Your heart's stained by it. And you may think, oh, I'm such a nervous, anxious, worried, irritable, negative person. That's more ill will, isn't it? So we add more to it. I shouldn't be such a negative, anxious, worried, fearful person. No, that's not going to do it, because that adds more negativity. So we may feel that sense of worry or nervousness or whatever, Okay, that's there. Now, don't do anything about it. Just leave that there and relax your belly as best you can, breathing and chant. May there be well-being. I take refuge in the Buddha. Just use the chanting to softly soften those nervous energies and when this chanting moves to silence and it's very helpful when we do it as a group because then the voices are one there's no him and her it's one voice and we enter the voice and we take that message in here you are welcome and received and there's no hostility no ill will, no worry. You get that signal, get that signal into your body. <laughs> Take it down under the ribs. Take it down under the collar. Take it down into your lower belly. Breathe it through your entire body. Breathing in, breathing out in, internally within the body. So then this is where this sadha uh, medium and is obviously sadha virya some energy. Chant has got a gentle energy. It's not forceful, it's a gentle, steady energy. And the energy is, is both a little bit active, but mostly it's about receiving the sound, receiving your breathing letting your body open into that. So, virya as a receptive energy, sati, you're mindful of it. What's present? What's absent? What's the effect? Yeah. You linger in that and your heart, your chitta, arrives at collectedness. It's stabilized. Samadhi. And then panya, you understand. That was suffering. That's where it was caused. That's the end. Yeah.
But as we get see even within this, you see the whole of the path can be summarized just within chanting and taking the chanting into the breathing. When we come and we look around, oh, these are my friends. <laughs> these are my Dhamma companions. We get a sense of loving kindness with people we'd never even met, but <laughs> we haven't talked with. We still get a feeling of warmth because the chitta, when it's relieved from stress, it, its nature is to be warm. That's that's what it is. When it's relieved from stress, it is warm and comfortable. Breathing in, breathing out. So I'd like to bring this to your attention, partly because so often when we people cultivate mindfulness of breathing, they're very concerned about focusing on a point in their body. And for a start, if you look in the suttas, you're not, you'll never find the Buddha saying that. You never, you never find the Buddha saying to do that. I've never found it. So you think, well, if I don't focus on a point, what am I supposed to focus on? Focus on your chitta. What? Focus on that which has faith. Huh? How do you focus on it? Well, you relax. <laughs> no, you, you establish sati, mindfulness. You, are, you contemplate your intention. You contemplate the energy of your breathing. There it is. So you can say your attention is there because it's not running out of the window, it's not going into the past or the future. So you're definitely attentive. You're in one place. Ekagata, it's all together in one place right here. And it's one pointed in terms of intention. My intention is to stay with this, not to be thinking about what I should be or could be. Well, that's, that's, that's called one-pointedness. You don't need a physical point because your heart is one-pointed. <laughs> okay. What's he saying? You know, the definition of samadhi, samadhi is ekakata chitta, ekakata chitta the one-pointed heart. I mean, it's pretty clear once we understand and we begin to recognize what this word chitta refers to. So what is one-pointed heart? It means all I have to do now, put aside other concerns, put aside attitudes about myself, Put aside the idea of the future. Put aside worry about whether I can do this or not. Put aside who's better. Put aside how long is it going to take. 
put aside, relinquish, free your heart, follow you, notice your breathing. Absent of that, feeling the body breathing. That tide. Now, you know, I think it's perhaps it's pe everybody is different. But you may generally sense the torso expanding and subsiding. You can certainly feel the, the breath moving through the nostrils all the way down into the body. You can feel it happening all over the body in different places. So if you feel it most clearly, you can sense yourself stabilizing over the, uh, what's happening in the torso. Be with that, but keep extending it. So extending it until you come into your head. If you're feeling it most easily down through your nose and mouth, coming down this way, back of the nostrils, down the throat, stay with that, but keep expanding. So what's beneath this and what's around it? Because the instruction is to be mindful of the entire body breathing in, breathing out. So we want to keep expanding till we feel the entire body. And this is the entire body internally. So it's primarily that's the upper body. That's where all the internal sensitivities are. But you can, with some practice, even sense it within your legs, the energy channels in your legs, in your soles of your feet, the palms of your hands, around your eyes. You can sense something tingling as you get more relaxed. All the tissues pick it up and resonate with this simple life rhythm, breathing in, breathing out. And notice how it affects you, how you feel about it. Oh. So noticing what's present, what's present, linger in it, stay with it, expand it, take it in, receive it properly. This is a, this is a gift from the Buddha. Stay with it. What's absent? Keep it absent. Don't let it come in again. Put aside what's not needed. This way you're bound to enter samadhi. Uh, you enter it wisely because you'll have understood the causes and conditions that support it and how these causes and conditions are all wholesome, confident, universal, trustworthy, sensible. We understand the causes and conditions that it is dispelled. Nervousness, pressure, urgency, irregular energy. You'll understand, therefore, the path, that which is to be followed, that which is to be abandoned. So, wisdom arises at this point. So, let's take some time for direct personal practice.